All right, it's the DT difference. It's 30 years experience in the game. DT systems. E-collars we've been using for a while now, but let's quickly talk about their dummy launchers. They got the Super Pro dummy launcher and the remote dummy launcher. It's a great way for you and your dog to get ready for duck season. Loud bangs. Make sure your dog's cool with gunfire before you use it. But I want you to add it to your repertoire, bag of tricks, and get you and your dog ready for duck season. It's the Super Pro Dummy Launcher by DT. Our baby Gunner Kennels. Man, one of the things that I love about Gunner Kennels is they're thinking about our older hunting buddies. Old Buck, he hangs out in a gunner kennel when he goes to and fro. And in his, we've got the ortho pad. He's got the old joints. And even if your dog's not old like Buck, you just want a little bit of added protection as you're rolling down the road to keep that dog from bouncing around a little bit. So the ortho pad, super huge. If you got a younger dog that may dig a little bit, maybe chew a little bit, that performance pad is going to be clutch as well. So check it out. It's the full kit brought to you by Gunner Kennels, always innovating our industry and always keeping your dog safe. Sliding the dms if you'd like to learn more about getting you and your dog into a gunner kennel all right our number one asked question is revolving around force fetch whether your dog drops the bumper or duck at the edge of the water or you failed a few hunt tests because the dog monkeys with the birds or won't pick up a bird let me help you help your dog bunch of different breeds bunch of different personalities start to finish teaching you how to do it links in the description What's going on, everybody? I'm fired up for another episode. Thank you all for joining us. We got a good one for you. This man hails from the south near an oak and a kennel. It is Barton Ramsey from Southern Oak Kennels. If you didn't pick up what I'm putting down, baby. I'm really excited. We're going to talk about hunting season. We're going to talk about his dogs. We're going to talk about one of the dogs that he bred that I trained and all the good that comes with another episode. So stick with us. But first, Yukonuba, baby. Barton, you're on the Uke train. Talk to me, baby. On the Uke train, man, and we are loving it. Yukonuba fuels our dogs here, grows our puppies here. And I'll just say this. For the first time, as a breeder who has a training facility with, as you guys understand, extremely active dogs, uh, my dogs are living the, you know, people drop their dogs off at doggy daycare so they get exercise. You know, my dogs are living like that times two every day. And Yukonuba's new performance line, the new sport line, is the first time that we have never had struggles keeping weight on dogs, but have instead had to feed less to get dogs where they need to be at a healthy weight and still have a maximum amount of energy Great coats. Absolutely love the food. Can't say enough good stuff about it. Heck yeah. I second that. Next up, Traeger Grills. Smoke them if you got them, buddy. What you got with them? Man, I love my Traeger. It is the first smoker pellet grill that I was introduced to. I have used it way too much. There's no telling how many times it has had to remind me to clean it out. Uh, recently I have been, yes, I clean it out. I'm like, I'll do it next time. Quit telling me, (laughs) but then you got to do it. So recently though, I've been using my Traeger for some new stuff. That's been fun. I was really big into like smoking meat, 
uh, all the stuff, you know, Boston butts overnight and doing pork chops on it and all that sort of stuff. And I still, I did Christmas dinner on it. We smoked a whole beef tenderloin. It was phenomenal. But recently I've been big into like anything that I would normally do in the oven that would be better with a really nice smoke flavor. So for instance, like a big pan of Gouda mac and cheese, uh, my family's green bean casserole recipe, sweet potatoes, stuff like that. I've been throwing it on the Traeger and it is a game changer. It's unreal how versatile that machine is and uh, just how much better our eating experience. As a family that cooks five or six nights a week and tries to eat healthy, tries to not eat the fried stuff, tries to not eat as much bread and pasta and all that, the Traeger is definitely uh, the machine for us. Keeps us eating right and uh, keeps me super intrigued on figuring out new ways to cook new things. In fact, yesterday I bought a big leg of lamb, which I've never cooked before. My wife's a fan of lamb meat, so I'm going to be on the Traeger website and the Traeger app trying to figure out how I'm going to do it, and I'm going to tackle it this weekend. Heck yeah, dude. Like a like a leg? Like it looks like a That's knee like the, and a jit no, leg? No, no, no. It's not like a whole leg. It's okay, like the, you got the me excited. meat that comes off the leg. Yeah, okay. like if you go to like one of those like Brazilian, like Texas Day Brazil type things, they'll have like a leg of lamb that comes cut a chunk off of it mm. it's not a full leg that'd be interesting I don't, my kids would be super intrigued but it's <laughs> yeah. just this chunk of meat and i usually buy the um the rack of lamb which is like the rib bones you know and you cook them whole and then you cut each little part piece off and uh that is a fantastic cut of meat to cook on a traeger i mean it's unbelievable but i was like you know i'm gonna do something different i'm gonna get this leg of lamb here it's like a, a almost like a lamb roast kind of deal but apparently it smokes up really well so we'll see Heck yeah, keep us posted on that. Maybe tag us and Traeger in a picture so that we can refer back. Uh, Perfect. Next up, man's best kennel. Tell us about that gunner, buddy. The gunner, man. I am. Uh, let me tell you about the, the newest thing, which I'm, I saw your video, which was great. But Thank you. We, got, we got a massive amount of snow for the state of Mississippi yesterday, a whopping two inches. And they canceled school. Nice. And I left on accident my gunner food crate out next to my trailer. And guess what? Who cares? Doesn't matter. Covered in snow. All the snow melted. Food is dry as can be. Uh, everybody knows how I feel about gunner kennels as a company and the gunner kennel being the safest and best dog crate out there. But the food crate has been a game changer for me. I'm on the road a lot with my dogs. It holds more than a whole bag of Yukonuba, and that's the big bag. You can open it with one hand, scoop out of it with one hand, carry it with one hand, and it stores easily in my trailer or the bed of my pickup truck or the back seat of my pickup truck. Yeah. Uh, I was honestly a little skeptical like years ago when Addison was like, I'm going to do a food crate. And I was like, don't those already exist? Like, what, How do you make that better? Well, the dude figured it out because this thing is what food crates should have been from the very beginning. Huge fan. If you don't have one, check them out. Definitely worth it. No diggity, no doubt. All right, we'll take it from here, buddy. We got Dogtra, the e-collar that we've used for over 10 years. Customer service is my big thing. If I've got a problem, I want to know somebody cares and someone can help me. Now, the nice thing about Dogtra is I rarely have a problem, but... When I do, or if I have a question, you know, man, I'm having a hard time figuring out how to pair this remote release system for my winger to, you know, add a new one or whatever the case may be. 
they're there to help me. So if you're big on supporting companies who support us as an industry, as a community, Dogtra has got you covered. Uh, we use, well, you all have heard it. We use the 1900S for all my hunting dogs and clients and obedience dogs. I use the Edge RT every day, every day. And then the RR Deluxe, that's Remote Release Deluxe. You know, <laughs> I just choked on his beer. Yeah, it's a Remote Release Deluxe. I mean, it's not the average, it's Deluxe. And, uh, you know, so you can use that on your wingers. You can use it on... Well, what else? What are those things called? Thunder launchers. Um, so basically, for your pigeon trap. Yeah, too? pigeon trap. So they also sell those. It's called the PL and QL. Guess what that stands for? Pheasant launcher and quail launcher. Man, marketing, baby. I know. Marketing. <laughs> Unbelievable. But we use, so I, oh, you might all ask, like, well, which one do you use for the pointers that you work with and, and popping the, the pigeons that you use? We use the QL. The quail launcher. The pheasant launcher is a little big. Once in a while, you might get a sneaky little pigeon that's going to slip through the crack. Um, and realistically, I don't put pheasants in it. So that's just me. Anywho, Dogtra. Baby. Get some. Get some. Kent. Mm. <laughs> Barton, have you ever heard me do this ad for <laughs> Kent? I never have. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not dude. that I recall. All right, dude, get ready. Mm, business. <laughs> He's gonna hang up. He's gonna <laughs> hang up. That all oh, we're shooting ah! the business. And the other tagline that I have now created is we give them the business with the bismuth. And so you know my creativity's flowing. I don't know why. The first time I ever said bismuth, I had to growl it, but it stuck. And now it's an Instagram thingy dingy where people see kent and they just write b i z z z z z z m u t h all the way through so that bismuth baby we were knocking them down i'm very pleased all duck season long now we didn't kill a boatload of ducks and we're going to talk about that with barton but anywho uh when we did pull the trigger we knocked them down so Get that, Kent, baby. Lastly, Waypoint Outdoor Collective. They keep us in tune with you. You in tune with us. Check them out. Mm. Waypoint Outdoor Collective on the old Instagrams. All right, Byron. Sorry, that took a long time, but I loved it. That was You didn't. You're a very good ad guy. You're just a Man, natural. maybe I should uh, seek a career in that next, you know? I don't know. I was listening to a Rogan podcast the other day and that was a, a, a former or, or Olympic wrestler who was kind of looking toward like the rest of his career. What's he going to do next? And the whole time Rogan kept telling him, you've got to do corporate speaking. Like you're too good at this. You've got to do corporate. Yeah. <laughs> and by the end of it, I think Jordan Burroughs, the wrestler was like, okay, I'm going to, if anyone's looking, I'm going to do corporate speaking. So yeah, you should do if anyone listening to the Lone Duck podcast. <laughs> I'm available for commercials. Yeah. Beautiful commercial get, get on there. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Uh, next up on TK 105.792 FM, we got Barton Ramsey coming at classic country. Big Frog. <laughs> <laughs> 
right, dude. Tell me about your duck season, man. How, how, you know, COVID changed some things for everyone and traveling and whatnot. Tell, you know, how did it affect your hunting? I mean, I don't care about anything else. Tell me about that hunting, baby. So, yeah, I mean, COVID didn't have as much of an impact on my duck season necessarily. I got COVID right before duck season for us. Now we're still in the middle of it, man. When we, we've got until the end of January for our duck season. And then we've got until mid February for late season goose. So we've got a little ways to go, you know, still or yet as the northerners say. Um, but, um, it hasn't, it hasn't been awful. I got COVID. It wasn't an awful experience. We can talk about that later. And the cool thing about it was after I got it, I had, you know, at least 90 days of immunity and I couldn't give it to anyone. So I was like a safe bet to travel. And, uh, yeah, it was great. So I started off in Oklahoma with some friends on a a pretty fun trip to Falco and, uh, had some killer hunts on early ducks there, which was fun. And the, the birds were there and they hadn't been shot at yet. So that's always really fun. And then really have spent a lot of my time either in the Kansas, Oklahoma area or in the woods in Stuttgart. And, uh, man, Stuttgart's been interesting this season. Uh, I hunt at a, cl- uh, what's that club? I hunted a, a duck lodge piece of property that's called Wild Wings. Belongs to a very dear friend of mine and a client of Southern Oak Kennels named Connor Reddick and his dad, Brian Reddick. And, um, man, they do it right. They've got a, a resting ground area that holds a massive amount of mallards. I've been there multiple times this season. I have not been there where there are not at least 10,000 mallards in the resting ground every night. And uh, it was weird. It was a very good early season. We had, I hunted with them several times. We were smashing ducks in the woods, going and hunting speckabelly geese in the afternoon, smashing geese in the afternoon. Arkansas limit dropped two birds, which is kind of a pain. You feel like you got to have a big group to justify going out, right. you know? Um, so, but we still smashed. And then I was there with, um, actually a crew from national geographic, whole different story. And the middle of that hunt, it was like the ducks just turned off. And for the last few weeks, um, the ducks in that area have just not been hitting the timber like they normally do. And this seems to be like a theme in the area. And I think it's it's from lots of things. There's a lot of adult ducks down a lot of young ducks and a lot of ducks are honestly still in North Dakota, man. Tons of them. It's like 38 degrees there right now, which is insane. Uh, it's very warm up there. A lot of older birds down in Arkansas and they don't fly until later in the day when everybody's done hunting or they just don't leave the safe zones, the resting areas uh, at all and just hang out. And so we're really hoping for the end of the season. We're supposed to be back in the woods this weekend. We're really hoping for the end of the season that they, uh, that they start getting back in the woods. There's also a pretty, cruddy acorn crop which is not something that you know people don't harvest acorns but it's noticeable there are a lot less acorns this year than there have been the first you know the last few years anyway so i don't think they're as interested in being in the woods um but it's still been good i really can't complain i mean i've been on some absolute bangers out there uh hunted with some guys in kansas and and was actually shot my first crane um never been on a sandhill crane hunt 
and did that two days in a row in Kansas. Uh, took my son on our first hunting trips together, cool. which was awesome, dude. We did a road trip where we hunted three days in the timber and then woke up, hunt, or the third day we woke up, we hunted, and then we drove all the way to Nebraska and went up there to breed um, one of our females at Southern Oak to Hank, who is with um, Bill Wilroth and the guys on the grind. And uh, bred Leah to Hank um, in Nebraska slash South Dakota and then drove back down to Kansas and hunted with friends. And I bought my son his first gun, little single shot 410. And by gosh, if that little dude didn't pull up and shoot out of the left side of a A-frame and drill a Sandhill crane with it. Um, awesome. <laughs> it was it was his first shot at a live bird. No You're one else me. even shot. Stood up, shot, hit the sandhill crane right in the neck. I was. I mean, it was pure luck, right? I mean, I've watched him since then. Absolutely myth on mallards that are sitting on the water. But it was really cool, man. And we had his dog Bruno there, so he was able to send the dog to go retrieve the crane that was dead. Anyway, that was really fun. So I've had some great experiences, but honestly, I'm leaving. What's, you know, today's, what, Tuesday? I'm, I'm leaving this weekend, Thursday or Friday, and I don't think I'm going to be back home until February 1st. I'm going to be hunting somewhere for the last 15, 16 days of the season. So wow. I've still got a little bit more to go. Good for you. Good for you. Talk to me about the road trip with your son, because I feel like a lot of listeners are you know, parents, and maybe they got young kids or older kids or this or that, like, Talk to me about the experience of introducing this. Like, how old? First of all, how old is he? Second of all, how did you keep him intrigued on long road trips? And like, yep. what are some tactics that you found successful and unsuccessful to make it positive? Yep, this is a really important conversation. To me, I have three kids. My daughter has been on several trips. My son, this is his first year going. He's seven. Um, he's been on a few easy hunts with me before this year but this year is his first year to like go grind it out i think there are a couple things that are are really important um keeping your kids comfortable on a hunt is imperative to raising kids who enjoy hunting um what i mean by that my son is like i was if he gets hungry it's over i mean he gets he goes from a little bit hungry to straight up hangry like the Snickers commercials, you know, like he just can't get, he can't rebound. So I don't, I'm not a snacker. I eat one, maybe two uh, meals a day. Um, so, you know, I don't, you don't normally have snacks with me. Well, man, before this trip, I took my son to the grocery store and we bought every snack that his mom would be horrified for us to have. And we just loaded up. Now, Hold on, can we time eats, out real quick? Yeah. What were his choices? Oh, dude. Scooby Snacks, Pop-Tarts, um, Oreos, Cheez-Its. Uh, he really likes the Puffy Cheetos, Cheese Puffs. Yep. Um, great life choice. Just stuff like that. I'm not a snacker. I don't eat this stuff. But my son also likes like the, the kind of fancy Lunchables, you know, like a kid's charcuterie board. He, yeah, he, I mean, my kid, my, my son, yeah, my son likes to eat Brussels sprouts. He helps me cook on my flat top and my Traeger. Um, he's, he's a good eater, but he, he needs like a quick snack. that's going to boost the sugar up. You know what I mean? It's like, Hey, if his blood sugar gets low, he's going to start whining and it's going to be tough. And that's just a lot of kids. So we like load up on snacks and then we did, you know, Sprite, orange Fanta, you know, 
caffeine-free Coke and Coke. Like just anything that I could think of that would be like, oh, I get to have one of these today. You know, it's all cool. I'm, I'm pumped now. Right. Uh, tons of hot hands. Of course, he's got his Fitka gear. He's got wolf merino wool socks. You know, I didn't, I didn't skimp on his gear because he has to stay warm. If, if, if your kid gets cold, his toes got cold on one hunt. And we were almost about to have to take him to the truck. And then we started just absolutely pounding birds. And he obviously got over it real quick. Yeah, he warmed um, up quick when the birds were yeah. flying. Yeah, and I mean, a successful hunt's always fun. Taking a kid on a slow hunt is hard. And you got to have, I'm not a fan of having any sort of like screen or video game. I'm guilty of getting on my phone when it gets slow. So I'm a little hypocritical there. But, you know, if we're in the outdoors, we just did a hiking trip last weekend. No screen time, even for the adults. Like the only thing we used our phone for was to take pictures. You know, we try to, to raise kids that are not addicted to a screen. However, on the car ride, he's got his little Kindle Fire tablet with all of his games loaded on it. He's got some movies loaded on it. He's got a miniature little DVD player. And on the car ride, whatever he wants to do, we roll with it. Um, I mean, we're talking about one day we did a 13-day grinder in the rain. I mean, we drove all the way to Nebraska. He handled it like a champ. He watched movies he'd never seen before. He was actually using my data on my phone to stream movies, so there's no telling what that's going to cost. Um, <laughs> I haven't, haven't seen that bill yet. But, you know, it was just like, hey, whatever whatever we want to do. And I have to kind of change my mindset. When I, I travel, I know you travel with dogs. You guys, you know, when you travel with your adult friends, it's like, hey, we pull in this gas station. I'm going to start the diesel while you go in, get the snacks we need, go to the bathroom. And then I'm going to go to the bathroom. You're going to come hang the diesel pump up, drive around to the edge of the parking lot. I'm going to walk out and we're back on the road. That's right. Like It's like a, it's like a machine. Well, when you have a kid, I had to like reprogram to like, hey, let's like make every exit like an event. You know, let's find something to do. Let's get him involved with airing the dogs, feeding. I mean, you know, when you stop with 12, 10 dogs, it's an event. You know, you got to find somewhere to let them out and let him help with stuff. And then like he's into skateboarding. We took a skateboard. Anytime we went through a city that had a skate park, we stopped. I was like, all right, you got an hour. Go skate. Cool. Um, and maybe it's not skateboarding. Maybe it's whatever. Even if it's a young kid, like, hey, here's a playground. You want to go in the monkey bars for a second? Like, look, you just can't be in a huge hurry. Um, that's huge, man. That's honest, that's super freaking insightful. Right? Yeah. Well, I learned that from experience because my deal is like, let's just get there. But right. for the kids, it's so much of the journey, you know, and those are memories he's going to have forever. We stopped at three, like, absolutely awesome skate parks. And that was some of his highlights from the trip. Yeah. And, like we drove by, this is kind of weird. We're driving down a uh, uh, turnpike in Oklahoma on the way home, and uh, just had a good crane hunt. You know, driving home after a hunt, you're tired. He's absolutely passed out in the back seat, and I passed by this like racetrack that I'd never seen before. I've been this way fifty times, I've never seen it, but it's covered up in cars. And I just exited immediately. It was time to air the dogs. I found a place to air him. He wakes up. I drove over. We paid 20 bucks, went into this racetrack, and they had like a drifting race, like Tokyo Drift, like something that I didn't really think was actually a thing. And, you know, he's seven. So he was, thought it was the coolest thing ever. We stayed for 45 minutes and watched cars drift around this track. Cool. And then we left. And little stuff like that is normally something I would say, no way, we got to get home. But because he's with me, I was like, hey, you know what? Let's make the journey fun. Let's, let's make sure he's entertained, and after we do this, he'll be content for several hours to just ride. So, yeah. 
That might be a phenomenal analogy for me and you, mister, on the ride of life. Yeah, there it is, man. We get busy with business. We get set on goals. We get set on chasing, chasing, chasing our tails. And we forget sometimes that the journey, the ride, is half the fun. We're just ready to get to the hunt. Let's get to the hunt. Let's go. That's right. And whatever that hunt is, you know, your goal to hit business, your goal to hit money, your goal to hit whatever it is in life. And we forget that along the way you meet awesome friends. You get to see cool things. You get to stop and smell the roses at a Tokyo drift. Like that's sweet. So congrats on doing that for your son and you. And you are right. Those are memories that 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 young boy is going to grow up and tell his kids about. But we all could probably learn a little lesson from that. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I think one of the greatest philosophers of our time said it best when she said it ain't about how fast I get there. It ain't about what's waiting on the other side. It's the climb. You know, great philosopher Miley Cyrus. (laughs) (laughs) Just dropping dropping truth on us. That's all I'm saying. Oh, my God. She got it. That's it. Top. Oh, man. No, but it is true, man. I I can definitely get really focused on just getting there. I'll tell you what, that came in like a wrecking ball. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's no telling what she's done for us as far as just teaching us philosophically how to navigate this world. So. Oh man! Well, good for anyway, you. hunting kids. Yeah, that's, I actually made a couple posts about it. I think about doing some more stuff on just hunting with kids, and it's important to me because you know hunting numbers decline. Hunting, taking your kids and getting your kids into it is not not the end all solution for reversing the situation with the purchases of, of you know hunting licenses um, and the decline in hunting overall. We we can't have enough babies to reverse it. You know what I mean? Uh, so we have to do some hunter recruitment. However, you know, I want my kids to, to be into it. I don't, they don't have to love hunting as much as I did. I didn't grow up hunting. Uh, I want them to have positive experiences, even if we don't smash. I mean, a big part of this was teaching my son to, like, conquer adversity. You know, you go on a bad hunt, you get a little cold, the birds don't fly right. You know, a kid's like, what the heck? This is awful. It's like, yeah, well, the world doesn't always go the way you want it to go. You know, life life can be tough. we got to learn how to handle that and uh, capitalize on those moments for sure. Cool, man. No, I, I think our, you know, I'm lucky enough. I'm sitting across from my brother, but I, I'm lucky enough to think about those lessons that we learned from our parents. And, and it wasn't the, it was the journey. It was, hey, what an yeah. awesome hike, like did you see that over there? Like, Oh, let's go look at this fungus on the ground. That's funny looking and talk about that. And you know, it wasn't the, the summit. Mm. It was the everything, the, the, everything in between. And, um, I agree with you. The other thing I would make a, a minor note to is even if your, your son grows up and is like, eh, I hunted with my dad growing up, not really into it anymore. Don't buy a hunting license. The kicker is, he's probably not going to vote against gun rights and hunting rights and that stuff too. So like he's not going to be anti, he's not going to be anti. He's going to learn to appreciate whether he enjoys doing it on his own free time later in life. Who knows? Hopefully he does. And hopefully he does it with his dad. But, But at least you're teaching him that there's an appreciation and a value to it. And 
something to enjoy. And if he goes out two times a year or once a year or never, you're building positive experiences around firearms. You're teaching firearm safety respect. Yeah. And, and I'm sure and, your buddy. look, that's not even to get into that one. I mean, that's oh, a. For sure. Yeah, no. That's a whole. I mean, got a single shot 410 because I'm like, hey, once it's shot, nothing else can happen. You know what I mean? Like, once you, once you pull this trigger and it's aimed the right way, then we're done. There's no event after that other than me reloading it for you. But, yeah, I mean. All that stuff. It's yeah. stuff that I think very valuable and he's not going to learn it at school. So learning it out in the woods with me is a super good time for us. Well, and I think, you know what, using your power uh, of of presence on social media, and like you said, you want to do more posts and talk about it more, God, man, use it. Use your influence yeah. on there to maybe pull somebody in to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take my kid or I'm going to take my nephew. I'm going to take my, my cousin and get them in the game. So yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, maybe we both make a little over the podcast handshake that we both do a better job of that in 2021 on getting younger generation. And I don't mean like the 20 year olds. I mean the 14, right. 12, let's get one a month, whatever mm. out to come train That's with us. Huge. Yeah, that's 12 kids. That's 12 new families who get to see dogs do the thing and then respect it and enjoy it. And whether they do it or not. Man, what a what a great entrance into the world of hunting, though. Yeah. Or if it's someone that's just got a little bit of interest in hunting. You, you take them out and let them see dogs do the deal, you know. I mean, most people's idea of a, a trained dog is a dog that just doesn't run out their door when they open it and jump on people. Right. You know what I mean? And you take them out and show them a dog stopping on a whistle at 200 or at 50 <laughs> and taking directional casting. You know, I have some people here who'd never seen this stuff. And I just had like my son throw a mark, like a pretty easy mark into some cover. And I ended up like very, you know how it is, you know, at the end of a training session, you're like, all right, one more quick little mark or whatever it is. And it winds up being the thing that like derails everything. Uh-huh. You know, I, I did I did this like, hey, well, you want to see him run a mark? Here's a mark. They threw the mark. I ended up having to handle the dog. And I'm like, it! I got six people here. I can't actually train this dog right now. And I'm having to handle on a 50-yard mark. You know, it's just one of those things. Of course, I'm stopping the dog, and the dog's kind of taking cast, kind of just like way worked up. And these people are like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, so it's not. Oh, no, it's is- not. I'm handling my dog on a mark. I kind of want to kill him right now, but you're here, and uh, you think it's awesome. So whatever. He's on his way back, and they're like, good boy. That was cool. <laughs> and I'm like, shut up. But, yeah, it's like they were they were hooked. They still talk about it. I still are like, man, this guy blew a whistle, and his dog stops and looks at him. Yep. Good for- <laughs> I yeah, can't dude. get my kids to do that. That's right. That's right. No, I think I think maybe me and you, let's change the world. One 12 to 14-year-old at a time, once a month, will bring somebody in and and let's do it, man. Because, shoot, in five years, that Kevin, do the math for me. Get You got your phone out 12 <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah, if you don't tell them to do the math and then tell them what the math is, you know, he's got to do some thinking. Yeah. yeah, square root of... But but yeah, I mean we could really we could really help some people and I think if we all kind of take that under uh some consideration, that'd be that'd be pretty neat. That'd be really yeah. neat. So good for yeah, it. I like it. I agree. Let's do it. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I'm glad your son had fun too. I mean that 
that's special, and you both will remember that hunt, that hunting trip forever. Oh, yeah. All right, so, yeah. you know, you talked about Stuttgart and, and the timber being a little bit slower and and the acorns being less, and you also talked, first of all, I'm, I'm wicked jealous that you still have a month uh, of hunting left, but yeah, where are you going next? Where You said the last 15 days you're grinding it. What are you doing? I'm going to go back to Stuttgart. Um, Connor is on his way right now. I'm expecting a text any minute. He actually got COVID. His family did. And he's getting over it and had to quarantine and miss out on some killer weekends. We've got some friends that we were taking hunting. And uh, anyway, he's back in the game. And he just doesn't know. uh, He doesn't know if the ducks are in the woods. So I'm waiting to hear from him. If the ducks are in the woods, I'm going there. We're going to meet up with some pretty cool folks this weekend. So stay tuned, social media. Um, When will this air, this conversation? Uh, What day is today? Today's probably, Tuesday. It'll air tomorrow, probably. Oh, sweet. All right. Well, stay tuned, social media. If there's ducks in the woods, I'm going to have some killer stuff going on this weekend. It should be fun. Nice. Some new uh, some artists who've got some new releases out are going to join us uh, by the fire to sing songs and in the woods to shoot ducks. Okay, Hopefully. Uh, we are also trying to decide, like, hey, if they're not in the woods, are we just going to shoot them in the rest area? Because there's like 20,000 of them. <laughs> so we normally would not, but Connor gets very mad at them. Uh, I don't know anyone that wants to kill ducks as much as, as Connor and get ducks as much as his dog Lincoln. Um, so he is checking that out. And then if it's good, I'm going to stay there for several days. Cause I think uh, our buddy Addison from Gunner Kennel is going to stop by in a couple of days and uh, do a little hunting there. And after that, I'm going to go up for some filming stuff in the Midwest with uh, the Ruckhouse crew and then um, my Cornerstone guys and film some stories, film some dogs hunting, uh, working on a film project with the guys at Salt Plains Outfitters and hopefully just bang away at them and chase them up there. I really love hunting Kansas and Oklahoma. Uh, Those are my, my favorite places because typically, first of all, they have great limits, right? Five mallards, uh, six ducks, and then, depending on what state you're in, six or eight dark geese. So, Say that one, dark can, geese? Yeah, 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 yeah. So specs or Canada's, lessers oh. or greaters, right? Oh, right. Uh, and then a very liberal limit on snow geese, obviously. And in the Midwest, in Central Flyway, especially in the Kansas and Oklahoma you know, areas, if there's any weather at all, then you can typically kill one or the other. So... If you're like, man, the geese are really being jerks. Uh, you know, they're not they're not wanting to play at all. They're they're not flying right. They're not hitting the same field. Whatever it is, you can just go find some ducks, and they're usually doing pretty good. And then if the ducks are just gone, you can usually find some geese and get on a goose feed. So it's pretty cool because there's a, a, a vast um, difference in in the availability of waterfowl species there, especially even early season. We were like, hey, there's ducks on the water, but not as many as we want. There's geese, but they're not super consistent, but there's a thousand cranes hitting this field every day. So we just went and shot cranes. Like it was super fun to be able to kind of pick and choose based on what the birds are doing. So I plan on spending like the last, I would say eight, nine days of duck season up, up in that area chasing birds. And, uh, hopefully it's, it's all good. And then Valentine's weekend will be my last weekend. I'm going to go back to Falco. I'm starting and ending the season with my buddy JD at Falco and we're going to uh, hunt dark geese, uh, Canada geese 
for the last weekend there. Good for you. So speaking of Falco, uh, I'd like to learn more about their their operation, and I want you to dabble in that. But I bought, I don't know if you saw, I bought a, a little puppy from Jake Stinson who trains for Falco Retrievers. He's he. I don't, I don't yeah. know their whole structure, but he's the trainer yeah. for Falco Retrievers. And his female had nice, beautiful, dark red, yellow, you know, good-looking little pups, great pedigree. And I, I saw it, and I sent him a text message at like 11 o'clock at night, the classic, I hate getting 11 p.m. text messages, uh, so don't do it, please, uh, anyone listening. Um, but I did it, and I go, dude, what you got left? What are your deposits? Can I get in on a female? And he said, uh, I'll text you in the morning. Right, like, let me look. I'll text you in the morning. And he's like, "Man, I got three females, you know, already sold, and they're not even born." Go, All right, well, when they're born, you you text me. And he did, and I think he had five. So good yeah. for him, dude. Right? Yeah. And then good Killer. for me. And she's she's awesome, super sweetheart, super smart. You don't have to show her too many times. A little bit independent. Definitely a little firecracker. Right. And, um, we're having fun with her, but he's doing a fantastic job in the hunt test game. Jake, you know, I don't, I don't know. I've probably never talked about him on the podcast, but Jake, when I started Lone Duck 10 years ago ish, Jake was in high school and he's, he's seen sending me Instagram DMs like, man, I want to be a dog trainer someday. What do I do? Yep. He's buying every hat. Every time I come out with a new lead or a new whistle lanyard or a new whatever, you name it, here comes an order mm. from Jake Stinson in Oklahoma. I love it. So super along the game with me. And then, like, now he's 19. Now he's 20. I'm like, man, quit screwing around. Spend your summer with a pro. You know, go yeah. instead of uh, being a bus boy, go be a dog trainer and he did mm. and then he did and then he did i love it and he's worked his way through the system and is super successful went to master nationals went to the grand training really awesome awesome dogs and i don't know how he got in with falco and where that whole business deal is but he's a part of their program and and then you see on social media with falco their uh, guiding service. So tell me about that, the lodge, what it's like to go and be a part of that. What is it? It's really awesome. It's, uh, it's spectacular to hunt there. Now there's two different companies. Um, Falco, you know, outfitters and Falco retrievers. Um, Falco Outfitters is in Oklahoma. Falco Retrievers is in Arkansas in the Fayetteville area. And that's really Aaron Seifritz, who's a lifetime dog trainer, and Jake Stinson, who has sort of come under Aaron and Aaron's dad. And now during the waterfowl season, Jake's kind of running the kennel operations while Aaron's over at Falco with the other two owners, Josh and JD. Cool. Great set of three guys. They have dominated that area as far as finding great grounds, building a killer lodge. You know, there's a couple of, of up and coming newer, you know, organizations in that area that just really crush and they, they consistently find the birds. 
They have really good experiences as far as the lodges go. And they, um, you know, they, they do well. Part of it is they provide just a stellar experience. You know, the food is fantastic. The atmosphere, you know, things that even if you don't crush birds, you're still happy because it went really well. So it, uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, it's, it's a killer spot. I, I had the privilege of being the first group of hunters that stayed there, uh, and went on a hunt, um, back two seasons ago in November. And I've been hanging out, you know, any, uh, you know, any chance I get going over there. And, and honestly, JD, one of the owners is one of my best friends in the world. So, and there's, there's really no one I know nicer than him. Uh, I don't know Jake very well. Funny story is Jake, Jake is training a couple of Southern Oak dogs right now. And I don't want to trash him. He's a great dude. But as a young trainer, he was kind of an anti Southern Oak guy for a while on Instagram. And that's okay. There's a lot of those guys out there and we're very used to it. No problem. But we got into this conversation on social media where he was, kind of mouthing off and I was like, Hey man, like there's, there's too many of us, you know, there's too many people out there who are against what we do all together for us to be enemies within kind of the fold of gun dog people. So, um, you know, we, you know, we need to be friends. We need, you know, don't, don't let these differences cause us to be enemies. And I told him, I ended the conversation with, this is a long, long time ago. I ended the conversation with, I bet if you and I ever went on a hunt together, and ran dogs together, we'd have a lot more in common than you think, and we'd probably have a real good time. Fast forward, I don't even know how long, I wind up on this hunt at Falco on their first weekend of operation, and they've got this young guy that they've hired on as a guide named Jake Stinson. And I was like, the, the dog trainer guy, Jake? And JD was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, man, you know, we had this beef a while back, and I hope he goes on the hunt with us. And he did. We killed like 108 lessers. Killed a band. Me and Corey ran our dogs. The dogs did fantastic. I had Red with us. And I think Jake had kind of thought maybe I forgot about all that. And we got in the Can-Am and I put my arm around him. And I was like, see, man, <laughs> that was pretty fun, huh? And we just kind of laughed about it. And we've, we've been cool ever since, man. He's uh, he's a heck of a dog trainer. He's a great dude. Um, he's doing a really good job with a couple of Southern Oak dogs right now. And we've talked back and forth about it and, and just sort of, I guess, changing his mind a little bit he's got a red pup in right now that's just absolute fire and he's enjoying her and uh i guess that's been eye-opening to him not that they're the same as, as you know his dogs there are definitely differences but it's uh it's it's good man so i to hear that <laughs> yeah yeah i they, they they're cool man they train dogs for for people looking for training both gun dog world plus hunt tests and all that and and they're killing it good 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 yeah i would love to Maybe next year, maybe me and Kevin can get out there. And I drove through, not to digress, but I drove from New York all the way to Illinois, dropped a dog off, then drove to Kansas. And you you met Ethan from Standing Stone, right? At uh, yep. Yukonuba, yep. So went, yep. To, went to his place. We didn't get to hunt ducks. It was very, dude, I went. In six or seven days, I drove from New York to Illinois to Kansas to Oklahoma and home, and I didn't get to kill. Dang. I didn't get to kill a thing. Not a thing. Dang. I was supposed to be. It was supposed to be like a ten, twelve day trip where we could intermix some hunting, and it turned into I had a board meeting with my town to build a kennel, and I had to be back. And so it was like drop dog off, train the human, train the human drive to Ethan, film, 
drive to Oklahoma, pick puppy up at 8 p.m., drive all Dang. night, drive all day. <laughs> Sucked. <laughs> Sucked the big Dang. one. Oh, yeah. That is awful. Whew, that's yeah. a lot. That's right, a lot. Right at the beginning of their hunting season, too, dude. So you knew the ducks yeah. were going to be there. You knew the ducks were going to be fresh. It was going to be awesome. And then nothing. So whatever. Yeah. Maybe next year we'll get to do something. But whatever. Um, all right. Now, one of the parts I wanted to dabble in here is learning more about some of your dogs. I want to you, – you've got a persona – out there on some of your dogs, right? Like like when people tune into Lone Duck, they know Memphis. They know Quinn. They know Cruz. Um, you got Red. And, and I've yeah. trained a dog out of Red. His name was Roscoe from Charleston, South Carolina. And Roscoe yep, yep. was a beast. Um, really handsome dude. Really, like when I first got him, you know, he's the quintessential – uh, didn't know much. And so I had to build from the ground up and I like that. And so, you know, shoot, man, you throw him a bumper. He'd be like, eh, yeah, cool. I'll go over here. I threw him a pigeon. And let me tell you about that light switch going off. <laughs> Boom. Light switch. And from that moment forward, anything thrown was game on. And he was a quick learner, and he was moldable, and he could handle pressure and stressful situations, and he could be taught and molded. And I really, 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 I enjoyed the dog, and I loved his owners. You know how you get that where, like, maybe sometimes the dog sucks, but you love the owners? Or the dog's awesome, but you're like, God, this person is annoying. (laughs) No comment. No comment. Me either. I didn't say that. But you know what I'm saying? This was like the perfect combination of, man, he's just really fun to fun to train. Just a good boy. And then his owner is just an awesome guy. I trained his short hair before and great family, young kids, and going to be, you know, Roscoe's going to be a gun dog for his family and be that dog like your son, right? Like he took his boy on his first duck hunt this year with Roscoe yep. and they shot wood ducks together and like introduced his kid into hunting over Roscoe. What a memory. So it was, uh, I was emotionally invested in the dog and the family equally. And, um, I'm proud of that dog very much. So, and I was, it was the first Southern Oak dog I got to train. So I'm really pleased with him and red, but maybe, and I know you know who I'm talking about, so maybe talk about the mother a little bit because Red gets the spotlight, but maybe talk about the mama real quick. Yeah, Jill. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, that the, the the stud dogs always get the spotlight, right? I mean, that's just how it works, and I, we intentionally do that here even because if somebody gets fixated on a particular mama dog, well, she's only going to have three or four litters, you know, five max, and that's if she's, like, been here her whole life and, is retiring here with us and all that, you know, we, we limit our, our moms on their number of litters and, you know, so maybe she only, we had a litter the other day of only four puppies. So there's just not any way to guarantee you're going to get one out of a particular mama dog. Right. But we do train our girls, you know, we want to see that like with Jill, like not just can they pick up dummies, but are they stoked over birds? Can they run 
doubles? Can they count? Can they take good lines? Are they disciplined? Are they, how's their obedience? How are they like socially with our kids? And man, my philosophy is if it's not a dog that I would want to own and have as my hunting companion, then I don't want to breed it. I mean, period. There is no breeding stuff out. You know, there is no like, oh, well, she kind of sucks, but if we breed her with this good stud dog, maybe that'll get rid of it. You know what I mean? That, that doesn't happen. Um, so we, uh, we, we definitely, um, you know, pay a lot of attention to the, to the girls and what they bring to the table. I actually think the mom has a little more to do with it. Um, I agree. There's a lot of people kind of on that train. My friend, Laura Hill just released a book in England called advanced retriever training and it's fantastic. And she talks a lot about breeding in the first few chapters and genetically speaking, there's definitely some, some arguments for moms bringing a little more to the table. Um, I know it's 50, 50 on genes, but just the way that all lines up, um, and pulling from each generation and, and, you know, she makes some pretty significant arguments there, but so, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they're with their mom the first four or five weeks exclusively. You I know agree. what I mean? That's the one spending all the time molding and shaping their behavior. Like, no, you can't go over there. I'm moving you back over here. Well, no, you can't nurse this one's nursing or whatever it is. Mom shapes a lot of that. And, so uh, can you take a second? I don't mean to interrupt you. Can you take a second? No, and no. Maybe, you know, I, a, reference the book so if someone's interested in buying it and reading it and then b some of the points you took from it yeah advanced retriever training by laura hill you just gotta get it so real quick side note laura's a friend she's in england she's been working with retrievers i want to say for maybe 15 or less years uh she has made up nine uh maybe 10 now nine or 10 field trial champions in england there are a lot of pro trainers who go their whole lives and never make up one. A lot of them are really hoping to make up one. You know, uh, Laura has made up almost every dog that she's had. And what she's also done is done it all with dogs that are in her own breeding program. So she has produced the dogs that she's made up. And over there, to be made up to a champion, you have to win three trials or win two two-day trials. So you can't win up by, you can't make up by points. You have to actually get first place in trials to, to be made up. So her accomplishments in the gun dog world in England are just honestly insane for just an amateur who got into it. Right. Uh, and she studies everything to a level where it's just so meticulous. And the book, I will say the takeaways are her level of detail and explaining communication. Um, she is very big on the communication between handler and dog. And so it's, it's less about, you know, that their philosophy is different than ours. We can get into some of that maybe on another podcast. It's, it's different. My philosophy is a little different than some of the American training styles, but all of it comes down to communication and how we communicate with our dogs, what they hear from us. Is it the intended thing that we meant to communicate? And so that book really dives into a lot of that. And uh, it's fantastic. Advanced Retriever Training by Laura Hill. I want to say right now you can get it on Kindle, maybe on Amazon, and then they're going to have some hard copies available in the U.S. here in the next few weeks, I think. Cool. Anyway, one more tool to add to the arsenal. You know, even if you don't agree with the kind of British method of training, and, and look, they're training for a whole different style of shooting too, so it's not all going to carry over. But as you know, there's definitely some – I mean, you and I talk training philosophy – I think in Vegas and it's like, Hey, even though we might do things different, there's some things that you know about dog training that are helpful to me in a big way, you know? 100%. And, uh, anyway, it carries so part over. of that book more yeah, carries big, over than we all talk about. We focus on the differences. 
And we get in this conversation a lot on forums. People will say, hey, what do you, people will get on a forum that's mostly hunt test guys and say, what do you guys think about Cornerstone Gundog Academy? And every time I see those posts, I'm like, shit, here we go. <laughs> you know, here it comes. Everyone's jumping in, you know, and, and Cornerstone Gundog Academy, it's, it's not, a, we've talked about this, it's not a hunt test or a field trial platform. It's for gun dogs. Right. And it's for first timers, mostly guys who are just a hobby. It's a new thing. They don't have any idea what they're doing. And yeah, it's different. It's not a compulsion based program. That's, that's fine. Uh, but I'm like, you know, all these people are like, well, it's not this, it's not that. Okay, fine. We've got a lot of people that produce great gun dogs out of it. But if you went and compared it to most programs, there would definitely be 10, 15, maybe even 20% that's like, hey, this is very different. But there's still 80% that's like, well, yeah, the wagon wheel is a wagon wheel. That's you know, but double marks are double marks. Running singles through cover. Running singles, you know, inline marks, inline marks. Flower pot's flower pot. You know, like so much of it carries over. That's right. And uh, it's uh, we, we do tend to focus on the differences and, and polarize ourselves from one another. And one of the goals I set in 2020 before COVID came along, I said, you know what? Actually, to be honest, a big part of setting this goal was going to Vegas, conversations with you, conversations with people that I differed on, good, healthy conversations, you know? And part of what I wanted to do in 2020 was was build bridges and say, hey, man, there's a lot of times where we get to a a difference or a, a fork in the road and we cause division with one another. I would like my reputation to be one of building bridges. Let's let's like find some common ground and figure out how we can connect on it and how we can help. You know, if the little thing you said earlier that's important, like let's get some 12, 14-year-old kids involved in working dogs once a month, you know. We can meet there even if we disagree on training completely. We can agree that's a great goal and let's let's do it. Let's get on with it. So anyway, we chased a massive rabbit there. All that from me talking about <laughs> mothers and how much they imprint their puppies and how they, I think, probably, if I had to split it, I would say 60% mom, 40% stud dog. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any more Miley Cyrus lyrics to bring here. That's just all I got. Well, I'm going to bring one in, and it says, I get knocked down, but I get up again. <laughs> Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba. <laughs> yeah, Chumbawamba. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. That's going to be in my head oh, yeah. for no telling how long now. I drink a vodka um, drink. I drink a whiskey drink. I drink a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Things of songs that remind me of the sad times? Who knows? Yeah, the vodka right, drink, dude. whiskey drink, that was definitely prophetic. Heck yeah, dude. Um, all right. So, no, I mean. No, I, yeah. all right. Let's, let's, let, me, let, me, uh, let me jump in. 100% agree with you. I think, I think if we all can settle in here, me and you are more similar than we are different. And I think me and you, if we, if I drove to you and we trained dogs and you drove to me and we trained dogs, I bet it would be 80-20 to 90-10 similar. So, folks, with that being said, there is no right or wrong way to skin a cat. You just skin the damn cat. Get it done. Train that dog. Train the dog in front of you. Have fun doing it. You having fun doing it? Your dog having fun doing it? Cool. Train the dog. And so, uh, like you said, a lot of folks jump on the I'm right, you're wrong. You can look at Trump. You can look at Biden. You can look at this. You can look at that. You can talk about this. You can talk about that. 
Oh, that's another song. I, if you get with this, you can get with there it. There it is. What, I don't know who's saying that, but anyways, my point is I agree with you, man. I don't think there's that much difference in our styles nor the dogs we train. I think they like to do the work. I think we build dogs that like to do the work, and we have fun doing it. Yep. At the end of the day, we're all winning because dogs are happy. Yep. We're happy. We're providing owners with happy dogs we're providing something that they not necessarily can't do but i don't know how to say that 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 came out wrong because they can do it they can follow a program they can put the time in but some people don't have the time or don't have the knowledge and so we can do it a little quicker and Mm. if so facto they get a great dog and they're happy or they buy a great dog and they're happy or they buy a great puppy and do it themselves and they're happy that's what matters Mm mm-hmm I back, love it. Back to the mama and the daddy and yeah. Roscoe. So Jill, uh, Jill is the mama dog to Roscoe. She sounds like she's a nice animal. But let's talk. Yeah. I want to dabble in the other males other than Red. Who else? Yeah, Red, who else are some good Red ones? Red got like Red got super well known. Red doesn't even belong to me anymore. Um, he is actually very close to you right now. He is in uh, Delaware, maybe. Delaware or PA with a very good client of mine and red is going to come live with me between March, April and late August, early September every year. Um, I think we're probably going to run some hunt tests maybe for fun, Nice, but he's, uh, he's living with a client hunt with a client. I miss the heck out of him. I would say he's the most naturally talented dog I've I've ever laid eyes on. How are you Um, working that stud? Are you doing AI? You got, no, no, that. we just use them in the summertime. Yeah, yeah. Red doesn't always produce red. You know, people see a really nice stud dog and they think, oh, I want that. Well, not every stud dog just produces themselves. Red's puppies depend a lot on the bitch line. So we love breeding them to particular lines because we like like it. But we also have Hank, you know, HRCH dog that I bred, who is half sibling to Jill out of the same stud dog. Um, who lives up with Don and Wally in Michigan. If we want to produce yellow pups, which we don't often focus on color, but right. you know, the demand is there, you know, and so we want to breed a yellow to a yellow. Sometimes we have Hank. He's a big dog, huge motor. He's hunting on the grind with Bill Wilroth this season. And, you know, you can give a dog to a guy like Bill who's super knowledgeable about hunting but not the greatest dog handler and he'll tell you he doesn't know he does the whole like ballerina send off like send his arm out you know <laughs> uh like he does stuff that just we're like we're gonna have to fix this dog when he comes back you know he hunted my old stud dog max for three seasons and one year i was like man max is really loose on the whistle like after the season bill was like yeah i didn't even take it and i just i knew he was gonna find the ducks i was like oh shoot you know i gotta fix all this uh hank could like plug and play like give them to that guy take him up to canada and they smash like 60 ducks in a field and hank didn't skip a beat you know like never breaks totally steady stopping on the whistle delivering a hand like all the stuff you know we got that dog he's killer good genetics there um i've got a pair of field trial winners from england and ireland and then one of them's half brother who's a field trial winner from england who are here with us in mississippi that's cedar bruno and Arden. And they're great, man. They've all got like eight, nine, ten 
trophies or ribbons they won in the UK, like proving, hey, they can do the work. You know, there was recently an argument that field trial winner is not a true title in the UK. Well, no, it's not, but it's just like calling a dog, you know, putting jam next to a dog here, right? Uh, judges award merit. Isn't that what that, that, that stands for? Yeah, something jam. Like that. Yeah, Jud- judges awarding merit or something like that. So over there, you got to win multiple trials to be a champion. So if you win a trial, a lot of people will put FTW, field trial winner. That's a big accomplishment for a dog over there to win a field trial. Um, and so for us, like finding dogs that have proven themselves over there, bring them over here, take them on a few hunting seasons, make sure they do the work over here, the water work, you know, all that stuff. Um, Bruno, I took him and ran a finish test at, uh, an HRC test at some grounds locally. You know, I don't, I never even registered him with the, the UKC. I just went to go see if he could do it. I was like, yeah, we'll go see. He freaking crushed it. Awesome. And I actually got in trouble because I didn't have my slip lead on me when oh, I left man. the honor bucket. The really? judge was like, put your lead on, sir. And I was like, thank you, judges. And I just kind of quickly started walking. The judge was like, sir, please put your lead on, which I totally understand because if a dog were to break, run into the test, you're messing it up for someone else. Oh, I get sure. it. Judge was like, sir, slippery. And I was like, man, I actually think I left it at the truck. <laughs> and the judge looked at me, and the other judge says, well, well uh, how, how'd you get through the holding blind? And I was like, oh, I, I, I told him to heal. <laughs> I don't know. I just said heal. He did. He, he's obedient. You know, he's from England. Don't judge me. My whistle's smaller than yours. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, off we went. Yeah, so our boys are, are a lot of fun, and, and man, they're they're like to me. If we have a stud dog in our kennel, then they need to be what most people would consider the dog of a lifetime. No faults. I mean, not that they're perfect. There's always stuff in training, and I'm like, man, I might would change this. I might I might wish that you ran that way, but no eliminating faults. No stuff where I'm like, man, you really need to be different. Um, they are different. Some are soft. Some are hard. Some have massive water entries some are easier going you know that kind of stuff but they're the dogs that like i would consider a dog of a lifetime and uh you know yeah it's fun so we have hank cedar bruno arden and hopefully working on some more in the future when you're going about finding or well i guess the question is are you going about finding these or are you starting to build some or what is your do you have like a five-year plan of like these three boys that i've been raising are gonna be the next big thing like what what are you doing with that man that's a tough one you know we've had to retire some like kane uh who was a field trial champion bubba field trial champion we've retired a handful of our dogs and it is hard to import right now i don't want to get too much into that um COVID has made it very difficult to bring dogs over from the UK. The demand is insane. Um, they can be found, but the prices are just nuts. And the more people are willing to pay those prices, the harder it is on the rest of us. So I'm just kind of bowed out for a little while from that. I like importing my stud dogs because we breed British labs and I want to keep the genetics as closely British as possible. There are a few kennels here that nothing against them at all, but they breed British labs. But the closest thing to being on British soil is four generations ago. And I want to breed dogs that have been proven in the UK because that's the type of dogs that I personally like. So we still go over there. We look for stud dogs. We look for mama dogs from over there. We are definitely raising our own future uh, bitches when it comes to brood bitches. 
And that's tough, man. You keep a female from a litter and you're going to invest quite a bit of time in training, as you know, training, working, you know, health tests. Maybe she doesn't pass her eyes or her hips or her elbows. And maybe, you know, I, I've tried it once with a stud dog. I raised this dog and trained him and he's a sweet dog. He's got great drive. The sucker couldn't mark a Cessna airplane if it crashed in my two acre field. Like he just can't mark. So I was like, eh, forget it. Right, <laughs> Not right, moving right. forward with him. You know, just wasn't the dog that I wanted. I could have bred him. Everybody loves him. We could have marketed him, and everybody would have liked him. But I know he's not got, He's not a natural marker, and that's right. important to me. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we're definitely raising some girls. Some of them work out. Some of them don't. You know, some of them get sold, and, and on they go to uh, to another, you know, a, a good hunting home where they're going to live out the rest of their lives and have a blast, but they, they didn't make the cut for what we want. And, uh yeah, so the five-year plan is up in the air right now because of COVID. You know, what's going to happen when all this virus clears out and people, I mean, like, for instance, in the UK, puppy prices have tripled from a lot of breeders due to wow. COVID. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of insane right now. It's kind of tough to even even think about it. Um, so, yeah, we're holding on. Our boys are pretty young. I think the oldest is Arden, who is six and a half. And Arden's a cool dog. He's an open stake field trial winner from the UK who came over here and went four for four in season tests. And then I think he's gone nine for 10 in HRC finish tests since then. Excellent. Eight, seven for eight or nine for 10. And we don't really have a lot of AKC tests in this area that we're aware of. We just kind of run HRC for fun. You know, just Corey ran him on the weekends and uh, he's our oldest boy right now. And so we've, we've got young blood as far as the boys go and just try to rotate through. And I don't repeat a lot of breedings. Um, I will repeat a breeding if it was fantastic. Um, but typically I try to outcross and try new things and see what we think works the best. That's really cool. Yeah. I think, dude, I, it's a different world. I mean, well, no, it's not different world. It's the exact same world in terms of, picking stud dogs with your female and trying to pair personalities and this and that and, and do right by people. Um, because at the end of the day, let's be real honest. It is a crapshoot. I know I got a good dog and I know I got a good dog. What are they going to produce? So we do the best we can health, intelligence, personality drive. We check all these boxes, but at the end of the day, there's going to be six, eight, 10, 12 puppies that come out and we just hope for the best. And as long as we're doing the best we can and can look ourselves in the mirror and say, man, I'm to the best of my knowledge, they're healthy to the best of my knowledge. They're smart to the best of my knowledge. They like to retrieve to the best of my knowledge. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's what we're building. Right. Yeah. So it, it's, it's hard though. I mean, it, it's really hard. Because all yeah. I want for people who buy a puppy from me or buy a puppy from you is to have them be happy. That's all yeah. that matters. Yeah, man. Oh, it's killer, man. I mean, I, we, I tell my guys all the time, we're not selling tennis shoes. You know, we're, we can't just say, oh, well, let me grab you another pair. Right. Oh, well, the sole blew out. Sorry. Let me get you another one real quick. They'll all be the same. It's genetics. It's nature. 
You know, I mean, if we could totally eradicate hip and elbow dysplasia from Labradors, it would have been done 20 years ago, you know, still around. If we could eradicate cataracts from Labradors, we've tested, we haven't bred a dog that doesn't have a clear eye test ever. It just happens, you know. Uh, and then sometimes you just breed a litter that you think is going to be absolute fire. And there's a couple puppies that just aren't, you know, they just aren't, you know, and we put a lot of time and thought into breeding these dogs, a lot of it. And we have a very high success rate, but every once in a while, there's just a guy that gets the raw. I mean, I have a client recently, he had a dog, the first one had like a, when his adult teeth came in, his teeth were all jacked up. It was really weird, like just not normal. And I was like, hey, I'm going to find this guy, this dog a good home. We're going to start over. Second dog comes around. He was nice dog, jumps off the back of a truck, breaks his femur at like six months old. And then the guy's nervous because now is the femur with this big plate in his bone. Is he going to be fine? And this, I think the dog is going to be fine. We're still training him. But I just told the guy, I was like, hey, look, you've gotten a raw, raw shake. This hadn't been how we want it to go with anybody. I'm going to refund every dollar you've ever paid us. And if you decide to move forward in the future, give me a call. But I'm sorry. Because, you know, it's out of his control. I don't want that guy, to his experience to be, well, I tried to work with Southern Oak, but this, that, this, that, and the other, you know. But, man, none of that was intentional. Right. All of that was just stuff that you just can't even control. You know, it just it just happens. It's the tough part of doing this. And all, At the end of the day, I want people, I want everyone, I said it in the ticket film. I want everyone's family and hunting experience to be enhanced by having a Labrador from us. That's it. And, uh, you know, most of the time it works. Sometimes nature gets involved and throws you a curveball and you got to figure out another plan. That's right. I couldn't agree more, man. We all do the best we can with the knowledge we have and the resources we have. And then at the end of the day, the chips fall. And, yep. it, and it comes down to the owners. It comes down to us as trainers. It comes down to us as breeders. I mean, there's a lot of it, but at the end of the day, I mean, look at it, going through high school. There's always a strange ranger. Mm. Might have been named yep. Kevin Owens. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but there's always poor one. Kevin. <laughs> poor guy. But there's always one kid or two kids in your class of 25 kids that just is different and maybe learns different and maybe handles social environments different and this and that. And like, could be his parents, could be his environment and how he was raised, could be who he is. And at the end of the day, all sorts of a mixture of both, all of the above. And at the end of the day, we can do the best we can. And and what I want people to listen and hear and, and take away is if you research the breeder, and the parents and the grandparents and you trust in your research and then you trust in the knowledge that you've built to teach that dog the right way, then you're stacking the deck in your favor and and having a dog that we all, including that person, would want to own and hunt with. So it's not foolproof, but if you do all the things to the best of your ability... You're going to be happy at the end of the day. Yep. Totally agree. Stacking the odds in your favor, that's the, that's the word. I mean, that's the phrase I like to use with it. Like, hey, I, I can't promise you or guarantee you that this is going to be the next Michael Jordan of gun dogs. It's just, it's not even likely. Is it going to be a really nice gun dog? I sure hope so. All I can promise you is 
at this point, we have done everything in our control to stack the deck in your favor. We've given you the best possible chance that we think we can give you. Um, and if it doesn't work out, we'll do the best we can to take care of you and make it right. But yeah, it's, uh, it's difficult. It can be painstaking sometimes, but it's, uh, it's a great job. I wouldn't do anything else. It's, it's one of the most rewarding things I could think of like training a dog and handing them someone, handing someone their dog back is extremely rewarding. Breeding that dog training that dog and, and giving them that dog back and then getting videos of the dog retrieving and doing this and that. It's like, oh, it's the best. Hell yeah. No, it's the best. This is the time of year where I get those texts. You know, it's like, oh, I just want to say thanks. This, this dog is, I haven't heard from someone in like three years. And I'm like, hey, I just want to tell you thank you. It's our second season with this dog. He's picked up 500 birds. He's crushing it. We're having a blast. And I'm like, dang, that, that makes it all worth it. That's right. Or if you're a lone duck client, and you're all listening, be like, man, I picked up one duck this year. Son of a bitch named his company Lone Duck. Can't find more than one duck. Uh, that's a lot of people, man. My kennel hand, Chris, he manages this place around here. Last year, I think he hunted 30-something days in this area and killed one merganser. God bless him. I love that merganser. He and, should have that something mounted. He should. I got one. I'm looking at my first merganser I ever shot on my shelf right here in my office mounted i'm with you um but yeah chris shot two gadwalls the other day with uh, one of our young up-and-coming girls phoenix i was out of town he took her hunting and uh i was like bro you're double last season <laughs> on one hunt <laughs> and they're edible you know yeah. well, look at you going dude good. so anyway good good yeah all right, Barton. Listen, bro, we have been rolling. I know you got some family stuff you got to do tonight. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Give everybody a little bit uh, of where they can find you if they don't already know you, and uh, we'll see yeah. you out. Yeah, well, uh, Southern Oak Kennels on Instagram and Facebook, and then uh, if you're interested in working your own dog or if you sent your dog to a trainer like Bob and you just want some drills and some help, keeping the dog going afterward you can definitely check out cornerstone gun dog academy on instagram or on the web you can find us around uh anywhere and dude i appreciate you guys having me on always super fun enjoyed it maybe we'll do it again soon we definitely will man i always enjoy chatting with you thank you so much for being a part of it until the next episode everybody stay frosty Hey, join our community. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our YouTube, if you enjoy Instagram, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer. Join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. The link is in the description. Click that link. Join the community. We've got tons of great videos, tons of great content, and you can ask me more questions. So join it. Enjoy it. We did it for you, and you're helping us produce this show so thank you so much to that community get in get out let's roll patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters hey listeners nick larson here host of the bird shop podcast as fans of this show you may be interested in the conversations on the bird shop podcast where we discuss all things upland hunting from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns bird dogs and gear used to pursue them whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more i interview a wide range of guests each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share if you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation please consider subscribing to the bird shop podcast today Thank you.